Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect anything different. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast, episode number 50. We have made it this far. Uh, here with us, the master of the recap. It's his niche in the market. He is from CBS. His name is Kyle Porter. Kyle, usually I check in and say, have you recovered from this crazy major weekend? But didn't it kind of feel a little bit like the Greenbrier this weekend? Yeah, it, it was a uh, it was a glorified I, mean, I don't even know if it was a glorified Bridgestone. It was just like the Bridgestone Invitational with a, with a cut. Like that was the only difference. By the way, fifty—that's impressive. I, I'm I'm glad to to have been on the fiftieth edition of this podcast. That's pretty cool. I think you were like uh, on like number three or four. You were one of the first guests. I think Bacon was maybe the first guest, and I think you were number four of, of uh, way back in 2014. So yeah, it's kind of coming full circle here. It's it's uh, yeah, it's good. Yeah, it has. Um, are you, I mean, like we talked a lot this weekend offline, obviously, um, I feel a little bit guilty when these things happen, when I'm, I feel like a kind of a spoiled sports writer and I'm not even really even a real sports writer, but <laughs> I like, you know, people like, I, I, I dislike in general, people are like in the, in the press room rooting for stories and like visibly upset when the story, they don't get the story they want, but I kind of felt that way. Like, I feel kind of guilty for not being more excited about, you know, an American Jimmy Walker winning his first major. Should I be more excited? Well, I, I think I think the tournament, it was a little bit saved at the end. because So, so my whole thing with, with majors is, you know, did, did the tournament have an identity? If you look at... If you look at the first three majors of the year, they all had an identity, right? Like the Masters was was Spieth melting down. Um, the U.S. Open was obviously the penalty, and, and DJ, you know, coming back from that. Clearly, the Open was was Stinson and Phil that final round, and and this one barely has an identity. But I think it was the last two holes, and and the way that Jason Day finished, and the way that the Walker kind of held on at the end, and and so I think I think the unfortunate part is that it took us four days and like 71 holes to get to the identity of the tournament, which makes for a pretty bland experience. Um, but I think it was the, the whole, the whole deal and, and really the, the end of the major season was sort of saved by that two iron that Jason day hit on the 18th hole on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was the signature moment I felt. Um, and I, I think part of the reason I also feel guilty, take this, I, you might not be the best person to ask this cause I know you're a, extremely aligned with me on this one take everything jason day did this past weekend replace it with rory how much more excited about this past weekend are you well then 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 you would have like the question have you recovered like i would have had something to recover from (laughs) (laughs) because i would have been if i mean it it, it was very similar to the to the shot that um that rory had at the irish open earlier this year i know i i think rory had a five wood and, and day hit a two iron but you know, same sort of deal. Needed and uh, Rory didn't need the eagle, but but uh, he got the eagle at the last day. Eagle's the last on eighteen, and and you're right. Like, you know, I, I, going back to what you said about like not rooting and whatever. Like, I just think that's such a. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that'll continue to be a, a thing in the future for sports writers. Like, I root for Rory McIlroy. Does that make me a bad sports writer? I don't really think so. You know, like I just yeah. I pull for him. I openly pull for him, and and if that 
you know, makes rubs people the wrong way, so be it. But yeah, I would have been, we would have been losing our minds if that was Rory on Sunday. Yeah, and I, I feel like honestly, it's all it's. I would attribute uh, the lack of excitement towards what Jason Day is doing in the general. Maybe it's just the Twitterati community, the golf Twitterati community. Twitterati. <laughs> uh, that in general, people are just sick and tired of the excuse coming up before every major. Uh, just yeah. some random excuse. Does it bother you, like when when he cites a, a runny nose or, or flu-like symptoms or something before every event? Yeah, it, it's just so unnecessary. Like everybody's hurt out here, man. You know, like every like every like Brooks kept his on like one leg, and like people, other people have kids and they get sick, and it's just it's part of the deal. And and I just don't. I don't understand the incessant, like, just bringing it up. And, and, like, I get it if if you're, for example, two years ago when Day had the wrist thing. Like, that's, like, a real injury and you're out for three months. But, like, you've got a cold? Like, okay, well, so do I. Like, I'm getting, you know, I'm getting up at two in the morning with two kids and trying to write about the British Open. Like, I don't, it's just, nobody cares. And I think it, it just gets old after a while. That's that's just why I feel like that two iron should have been a bigger moment. I mean, I I was when he started yelling at it, like I I like I think I moved to the edge of the couch a little bit. Like I got pretty excited, and then it, it stuck. And then he made the putt, and I I feel like he's trying really hard to be like the tiger guy. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about him staring back down the fairway because it doesn't it doesn't seem that intimidating to me. He's the number okay, one player so, in the world, but it, I, I'm not fully buying that move. Well, and and I didn't say this in our group chat yesterday because I was do, working and doing other stuff, and I didn't. I kind of felt bad about thinking it, but it just it felt very um, it felt very fake tough guy ish yeah. to me. <laughs> and and I don't I don't I don't know what it is about Dale. Like I've met him, I've talked to him. He's 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 truly a, a really nice guy. Um, and I think people kind of universally think that there's just a I don't there's just something like odd about the even the way he carries himself. Like when he walks from hole to hole, like he, just the way he walks is like strange. Like I know that's a that's, I sound like a crazy person saying that, but like just just the, the the entire persona of the way he carries himself, the way he, um, the the you know the staring down of of Jimmy, just the whole thing is um, it, it's it's sort of disingenuous. I guess is the best word I can come up with to describe it. Yeah, I like fake tough guy, but also this is, I hate like what I'm doing currently, and that like when we have a nice thing, like ripping on it, you know, like, like speed, the, the tie kind of turned against speed a little bit after the masters and people were kind of complaining about whining. And I'm just like, guys, we have a great thing right in front of us. And we're complaining about it step by step. And here I turn around and do the same exact thing with day. So I kind yeah. of don't feel, I don't feel right for it. But at the same time, you can't really control your reaction to things. I should be, I feel like I used to like him more. Um, I don't know, even, even as of the fall, but uh, and I don't really know what it is. I think Tron's rubbing off on me too. There, there needs to be, yeah, there needs to be a uh, like Malcolm Gladwell's next book needs to be interviewing all of us and trying to figure out why we're like neutral on Jason Day or just like don't really care. It's like, going to sell it, tens it, of copies. It, it doesn't make any sense that like we we've got somebody who, if you look at, uh, I think Jamie Kennedy of, Euro, of the European Tour tweeted this out. He's got. 13 top 10s in his first 25 majors. That's better than Tiger. He's, he's he's a legitimately great player, and and he hits it a long way, and he's fun, and he's clutch, and he makes eagles, and it's just, I just feel nothing. Like, I just feel <laughs> nothing about it. 
<laughs> the Tin Man. You have no heart. Yeah, uh, I just—I don't know. I'm—I'm I'm completely apathetic towards his the, the, just his play and and what he does. And that's the thing. He's not like horribly boring. Like he's not like no. Make a transition here. He's not Jimmy Walker. Like if right. it was Walker running away, we're gonna want to be really boring. But um, Day is not. I think we're kind of just spoiled. We just think this number one player has to be this swashbuckling hero like Phil. It comes. Strolling down the fairway, but um, I think uh, I, on top of staring down the fairway, did you think it was kind of weird that he like in the, was in the scoring tent for the first putt and then ran out to the green to watch the very last putt? Yeah, the whole the whole on the green deal at the end was I don't know, like it, it was just kind of. And, and here's the thing: I was talking to a buddy about this, and he was like, "Why did I think it was cool that Fowler and Spieth were there, but not Day?" <laughs> and I was like, "I don't know, but I felt the same thing. Like, I, I don't know. It was just, um, I don't know. I guess I just go back to the fact that everything rings a little bit disingenuous with him, and I, I don't even think that's the case. I think he's a pretty genuine yeah. guy. It just, it just comes off that way." No, I, I, I agree. When I'm listening to, I, I've not been to many press conferences, but heard, been to a couple of his, and he just. It doesn't sound like um, that he's just spewing out of his mouth when he talks. It sounds honest. It sounds genuine. Much right. in the same way that we praise Rory for it. And uh, I think yeah. in general, you know, people like uh, international people like to criticize the Americans that are, are are randomly don't or don't get as excited about international players. But I don't think that fits the mold here because you and I both no. uh, think Rory moves the needle for us a lot. Maybe Rory's the exception to the rule, but. Um, even yeah, if, but, but I, I would argue that even like uh, I, I, Henrik Stenson and Sergio, like I, I yeah. genuinely like and appreciate those guys for for different reasons, and I don't. So I don't think it's a. It's certainly not an anti-American uh, or an anti-the uh, rest of the world bias or right. anything like that. I, I don't. I honestly don't totally know what it is. Yeah, and I mean, consistent with the questions we got from the, from the listeners on Twitter uh, going into this podcast, there's not a lot like. Uh, like no one's questioning why we kind of dislike Day a little bit. Like you know, they're all asking the same thing about the illnesses and whatnot. By the way, people are excited about the Ryder Cup. Every almost every oh question gosh. we got is the Ryder Cup. We'll get there eventually. You, I know you only have about forty five minutes, so going going fast through a few things. But uh, what did you think about Baltusrol overall? Uh, it was fine. It, it was sort of. Um not that unique it just I, I don't know somebody said it on twitter but it just felt like every backdrop on every hole is sort of the same yeah. um i do like ending with two par fives i think that's unique and, and pretty cool and a fun way to end a tournament because you're sort of you're you're building and, and i wrote this before and I, I thought it would come down to the final hole i got lucky in that it did because <laughs> day, day made the eagle but when you've got two par fives like that at the end you're sort of building the anticipation and um, you know, anything can kind of happen on 17 and 18. So I did like that aspect of it, but, uh, the, the course itself was just fine. I mean, it was just, it was average in terms of, of, of major courses. That's sort of how I feel about most PGA championship courses, I guess. Um, and, and, and the, the, it's weird because like the PGA is the one tournament where, so all the PGA tour events are at the same locations every year. Mm-hmm. And then the majors the U.S. Open, Masters, and, and Open Championship, uh, obviously the Masters is at Augusta, but U.S. and, and Open Championship have sort of the same rota, and mm-hmm. so you, you kind of see those courses a lot. The PGA is just kind of 
all over the place. I think the the course that's hosted the most has only hosted like three PGAs. So you just, you don't really get a feel for and get used to a lot of the PGA championship courses. Yeah, I'm I'm with you in that. I, I like that it ended with two par fives. I don't think 17 is a good hole, though. I just don't. I, got, yeah. I, I mean, shocking. No laying up guy says the three shot hole is not a good hole. But um, <laughs> I just I, I dislike uh, I just dislike having just having the only two par fives be those last two holes. I, I yeah. it gives you the, the par fives. I mean, they're kind of. Uh, I don't know if disingenuous is the right word. Cause I just that's on the tip of my tongue because we've used that like eight times already. But um, <laughs> It it, it uh, it's kind of cheap in that it, it feels like it adds more excitement because it should be an easy hole. It's, it's a it's a true like difference maker hole. Like you know these par four and a half is what I'm getting at. Like right. you can gain a shot or you gain a half shot or lose a half shot to the field. Really, I feel like you kind of need those sprinkled in throughout the round. Like oh, uh, uh, what's his name? Grace is making a run here, and he's got a par. He's out. He's on the par five eleventh now. If he birdies this, he gets to 11. Yeah. There just wasn't those holes leading up to it where that were like the green light birdie holes. And um, even there weren't even that many hard holes. Like it was just kind of nondescript par four after par four. I know the third hole was really tough, but I mean, I never felt like Jimmy Walker was going to make a bogey coming in. I mean, it just did not feel like right. that challenging to him. And, um, well, and, and, and to your point, there, there weren't any par three and a halves either. And yeah. we saw that multiple times at, at the U.S. Open and, and Open Championship, and you just create... Um, I, I like it when players are given a, a myriad of decisions because yeah. it just... It, it, it creates drama, and you can... It, it creates, honestly, more fodder for us to, to second-guess guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but true. it just... It, it makes it... Uh, it makes it really intriguing when guys have three or four or five decisions or options or choices that they can make on different holes. So I like the I like the par four and a half, and I like the par three and a half also. Yeah, no, and that's what they were they were severely lacking this week. Um, was this the quietest wire to wire major win in history? I mean, it's got. I mean, it, it, and, and this is something that I, I know Justin Ray of, of Golf Channel, who should be paid by, by pretty. I think everyone, like all all media outlets, should have to owe him like a royalty. Um, but he noted that it was the, I think it was the first, uh, or it was only the second PGA Championship wire-to-wire win in 15 years, and the other one was Phil at Baltusrol. So, you, oh. yeah, it, it was, like, I, I actually had to look up who was leading after round one yesterday. I forgot that Jimmy Walker was <laughs> leading the tournament. I discounted it, though. Like, I was like, oh, well, all right, that's, the, that's your round one leader that, you know, yeah. maybe he'll make the yeah. cut. I mean, we haven't heard from him. He, he's made a living in his career off the winter season, the fall series, and yeah. he, he's never won an event past March. And uh, and he's only won he won the Valero Texas Open in late March, I think last year. And his all his other wins came in either early February or January, and he won one fall series event. So yeah. he kind of capitalized on the weaker field events. I mean, not saying not to discredit any wins on the PGA Tour, but he and he just kind of would disappear. You know, he'd rack up a bunch of Ryder Cup points, a bunch of President Cup points the last two years, and disappear throughout the rest of the season and then disappoint us come Ryder Cup, President's Cup. Now it's kind of flipped on us. He didn't win in the winter this year, and he wins at the end of the year getting himself on the Ryder Cup team. And, I mean, this is this is kind of where I have problems with the point system in that, like, would we be, if, if there were no point system, if there was no, it was all captain's picks, would we be saying Jimmy Walker for Ryder Cup right now? I don't know if we would. Uh, <laughs> well, we know if we would. Uh, I think Davis Love still would. I, I, Davis Love is is big on like 
how well you're playing in the moment and um you know like what what you what have you done for me lately I, if you look back at his press conferences in the last couple of weeks he's you know he's talking about you know who's hot going into the Ryder Cup and I, I think that I don't know. I, I guess it just depends on how much a captain would weigh one win. Because I get what you're saying. Like he's missed, or coming into the PGA, he had missed three of the last four cuts at major championships. That's not good. Yeah. And uh, then all of a sudden he wins one. I don't know. I mean, I, I think that Love still probably would, but I certainly wouldn't. I mean, he just he uh, to, to your Rory point from earlier. He just doesn't move the needle for me. Like he just doesn't. He's he's a fine player. He's a good player, yeah. but he just he doesn't do a whole lot for me. Yeah, and it's it's again, it's hard to just sit here and discredit a guy after he won a major championship against a great field and played fantastic golf. But um, it, it kind of and I'm not. I wanted to do Ryder Cup kind of last, but just wanted to make like I, I've. I've always kind of not liked the point system, but now today I'm like, honestly, what does the point system do for you at all? Like, I guess it gives guys motivation to play well throughout the year and not like lay back on knowing that if there's 12 spots, like if I'm Phil, then I, I know I'm going to get picked. But think about like the the principle behind it. It's like a guy that you know has basically forced his way onto the team that uh, the captain wouldn't normally want on the team. Like, you're forced to take a guy. That's the principle behind it. You have to take a guy if he finishes in the top eight. And it's like, well, if a guy finishes in in the top eight, shouldn't he be one of the top players that you would want on the team anyways? So it's the Matt Kuchar rule is what you're saying. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I don't know. Like, you have to – if you don't have the point system, then what happens is you, you it sort of becomes like this buddy's draft thing in which yeah. you're just you're just having a captain that's picking all of his dudes and like what's the point of even like like what's the point of JB Holmes even trying to get on the team? Like I, I just yeah. you know I, and it, there has to be some sort of structure to it. Um, otherwise, I, I just don't, I just think it becomes kind of meaningless. You and I, you and I draft a team. Brandon Hagee gets the second overall pick. Yeah, did you see Brandon Hagee? Did you? Speaking of, did you see uh, Brandon Hagee finished uh, T three uh, in the Web dot com tour event last week? Was he forty six shots back of the winner? Yeah, I, I, I think he was legitimately like twelve back. Uh, the winner, um, whose name is escaping me, but he shot the fifty eight on Thursday. He shot two fifty for the week. Yeah, he shot fifty eight, sixty three, sixty four, sixty five, or something like that. Yeah, two fifty. <laughs> It, it it broke the uh, the all time uh, aggregate score record. Tommy Armour the third shot two fifty four at the two thousand three Texas Open. If there's ever a web dot com performance that can uh, bypass the Ryder Cup and DJ Championship <laughs> conversation, it was that one. It was that one. And uh, I love how all I had to mention was Brandon Hagee, and you were ready to jump on some Brandon Hagee news. But oh, let's yeah, future Brandon star. Two thousand twenty four Ryder Cup. He's gonna be the future Cup Cup and yeah, in twenty eighteen it's gonna be I'm gonna be writing articles wondering why Brandon Hagee's <laughs> not on the Ryder Cup team. Just be ready for it, all right. Um let's talk a little BK. First, well first I just wanted to note, um not even really a question, sorry, but I don't feel like I didn't give any proper uh props to the PGA of America and the grounds crew at Brawl yes. Troll for getting that in this weekend because I don't know if it's just again, the golf Twitter people I was following that were overreacting to the forecast, or if they got really lucky yesterday that it missed them. Um, but I was planning on a Tuesday finish. I'm looking at my meeting schedule with work, like, wow, I'm going to be streaming the, the <laughs> golf on my phone underneath underneath the conference table. But, uh, luckily, it didn't end up with that, and they got it in miraculously yesterday. I don't know how they did that. Yeah, it was it was unbelievable. Props to them. Yeah. 
Um, that's as nice as I'll be on a podcast. All right. Now, BK. Um, I, I, we, Kevin Van Valkenburg wrote a great piece, and it sounded like he talked to Brooks's caddy. Uh, did you understand how severe the ankle was that he was con- that considering? Like, as of Tuesday, he was 70% out for the PGA Championship, was going to withdraw, was near tears. And uh, did, you, did you have any idea it was that bad going into it? Have you seen uh, Brooks Kepka's caddy's uh, calves ever? Have you ever noticed one? Uh, are they bacon calves? They're bacon like. Yeah. They're they're unbelievable. <laughs> um, but no, I, I didn't. Uh, I did not know that. And I, I I mean to keep somebody like him out of a major, which he didn't play the Open two weeks ago. It, I presume that it was a big deal. But I, I I guess I thought that it was sort of like a. Um, I don't know, like like the sort of injury that would be like a sprained ankle, where you, you know after three weeks you're pretty much better, but you know like you just you had to sit out a couple weeks ago at the Open. So I had no idea, and and this is this goes back to the day thing, like <laughs> like Kepka's playing on one foot, literally, like he's just he can't even feel his foot, and and Day's complaining because he has a, a, you know like he sneezed a couple times or something, and it's just like. You know, you don't hear about it from Kepka until after. Like, it's, I, I don't know. I, I thought it was pretty cool. And I, and I loved what Van Valkenburg said about, like, this is this is the type of dude that, that you need at a Ryder Cup. He might be a, he might be a, a jerk. Like, like, the way he was talking, and people should go read it, but the way he was talking to an official at the uh, at the Open last year at St. Andrews, made it, it didn't make him seem like a great guy. But, nope. but uh <laughs> That's that's what you need staring down Rory McIlroy and, and uh, Martin Keimer and Henrik Stenson on on Saturday and Sunday at a Ryder Cup. I loved it. I'm I'm all in on Kepka and the Ryder Cup. Uh oh, hey, this is going to shock you. I'm also all in on this. <laughs> <laughs> Fully endorsing this. Uh, no, I think I, I we talked about it with Bacon. He gave me permission to release him from from my binding pick back in December when I picked all four majors. <laughs> Because uh, I just thought, if you missed the Open, that was two weeks, that was like ten days prior, you know, or two weeks prior, I just didn't think he'd be that ready for it. I thought, you know, at least he doesn't have to deal with the international flight, maybe he's just going to give it a shot at the PGA. Um, Did you think, have you thought about how close you were to picking all four major winners back in December? Uh, yeah, I thought a lot about it. Um, so, so, so Spieth, second at the Masters, <laughs> DJ won. Rory T5 at the Open, and Kepka T4 at the PGA. That's yeah. pretty good. Rory was not close, is the only thing, though, to winning the, the British. Yeah, but, but still, they yeah, were all, I'll take they're all it. top five. All top five. It's like Ricky Fowler's 2014 major season, <laughs> except I actually got, I got one win in there. No, I, it's kind of shocking that I only got one win out of that. Like, Spieth should have won that. I should have been two for two. I should have been going for the Spieth slam there. Um, and, yeah. The Rory thing was a disappointment, but yeah, Kepka, I, I, I could not have expected that performance out of him. But people are talking, people are acting like he's on the team, like it's a, it's a, it's clinched now, and I'm not seeing it. The math is still not adding up for me. There's still a decent amount of golf left before. I, mean, I know there's no double counting events, but these uh, events are still counting for you know one uh, a point for every thousand dollars you earn, and he's fifth now or fourth or fifth now, and it's not not a not a cinch if you ask me. Van Valkenburg made the great point that Love should tell him you're on the team. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about getting the points and the money. Rest up that ankle, and we'll 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 peak at the at the Ryder Cup. But he's playing the Travelers this week. I'm so confused by that. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know if I get the Travelers thing either, but I, I think the one thing that he has going for him is that, um, 
well, among many things, but Davis Love has mentioned him by name. You know, he, he yeah. mentioned him last week at the PGA and said, you know, Brooks has been out. I know, I know he missed the Open. Like, I take that into account when I when I look at this stuff. So I, I think that uh, you're you're right about the points. He's certainly not in completely on that. But I think when you when you count the fact that he's fifth in points and that Love has sort of kind of wink winked at him, like I, I think it's. I would be very surprised if Brooks Koepka were not in Hazeltine uh, come come the end of September. Um, well, there's not going to be a Ryder Cup if that happens. Because if I'm there and he's not on the team, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to burn it to the ground. It's going it's to be burned can, to the ground. Can we uh, – do you want to talk about the Ryder Cup right now? We can. That's fine. Yeah, I was going to do some major wrap-up, but we can do that at the very end. Major season wrap-up. We kind of already did that. But, yeah, we can definitely talk Ryder Cup. I've been dying to. Finally, okay. it's the it's the season of Ryder Cup. We can talk yeah. about it. So you and I, I've been writing about it since like last November. Like, <laughs> I, I've been completely out of control, and I know I know you've been talking about it as well. I, I I don't know that I like I keep forgetting that the Olympics are happening next week because of the Ryder Cup. I'm I'm that excited about the Ryder Cup. I I I've been sleeping <laughs> draped in an American flag for the past. <laughs> And I don't, I don't mean like golf in the Olympics. I mean the Olympics in general. I keep forgetting about. It. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I actually wrote something back in October, um, as soon as as soon as the President's Cup was over, uh, and I, I I not only did the foolish thing of trying to predict who was going to be on the U.S. team, I also said in it, this is going to be like the easiest U.S. team to predict ever. <laughs> Listen to some of the names I had. I, I I so the top eight at the time were Spieth, DJ, ZJ, Fowler, Phil, Kepka, Bubba, JB. So among that, uh, Bubba and Ricky are, are not in the top eight, which is quite surprising. Yeah. Then I said, Patrick Reed is going to be on it. I'll take that one. That, that one's so good. Justin Thomas, Billy Horschel, Kevin Na, and Tony Finau. And I later changed that to, to also add in Kevin Na. Or I'm not, sorry, not Kevin Na, Kevin Kisner. Okay. So not only did I was I cocky and saying that I could predict the team, I maybe got six guys right on that team. <laughs> well, the, the Finau thing, I, I, I love that. He, he just... He just didn't play well enough this year. Um, Thomas is cl- – I, I don't understand how Justin Thomas is like 28th in Ryder, in Ryder Cup points. Like that, and, and I know the fall series thing is – which, by the way, I, how, how in the world do you count – okay, so here's my thing with, with yeah. the, way, the way Ryder Cup points are counted. And I know you've talked about this on podcasts in the past, but like if you're going to have a season be the 2015-16 season – but you're only going to count points in the 2016 calendar year. That's asinine, isn't it? Well, and if you and then, but the thing is, the 2015 Masters counts as much as this week's Travelers does, and that's yeah. and that's where the, the the fault in the system is. I yeah. get wanting to discount. First of all, the the fall series money is is less, right? But basically, yeah. they, they wanted to give. They wanted to make it um, the top guys not feel like they have to play the fall series so they don't end up too far back in the uh, Ryder Cup race. Let's be honest, they don't care about the, Fed- the FedEx Cup. Let's just be honest, <laughs> that's not enough incentive. So um, I think at minimum you take the, 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 the money earned from those fall events and put a multiplier of like 75% on it, 60% something. That's got to count for something. Thomas had a T3 and a win in the fall series to start the season, and it gives him nothing. That being said, I'm not going to advocate for Thomas to be on the team at this point, and I don't think uh, – I mean, if, if, he had, if he had all of those, those points, let's see, he would have made about, like, six, about 1,600 points. 
he'd only still be sitting around 14th on the money on the points list right now. So yeah, but then he, but then he'd be in the conversation. He's one of only 14 guys, and I don't know how many were Americans. I think like eight Americans that made the cut at all four majors. Played great at the Players Championship. I, I, I don't know. It just it feels like he should be higher than I think he's behind Steve Stricker on the Ryder Cup points list. He is Stricker's twenty sixth. Thomas that's, is twenty eighth. That's absurd. That's yeah. absurd. Like that's just I, I don't know. There there has to be a better way to figure that out. Yeah. Um. I mean, obviously, I'm a huge Thomas Homer. Um. I've kind of I'm I'm focusing my Homer energy on Kepka right now because I'm still just like nervous. <laughs> I mean, I could not have imagined he'd have been left off the Presidents Cup team last year. I think I may have mentioned that at some point last year. Uh, <laughs> so I'm I, I'm I'm more focused on the guy fifth on the list, making sure he makes the team than 28. But <laughs> I mean, Thomas, I've made the case in that if he had a hot finish to the season, a guy that makes a ton of birdies, you can send him out there in four ball. Gets along really well with a lot of guys on the team. That if you want to bring Furyk onto the team to play foursomes and play, you know, let JT play the four ball, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, if he has a hot finish to the season, kind of a Horschel, like not quite Horschel level finish, but uh, I think he could do some damage in the FedEx Cup. So I'm holding it the caveat out for that still could be a possibility. But at this point, I think even he would tell you he's not done enough to 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 yeah. to be on the team. So. Yeah. Um, um. How worried are, are we that uh, as of today, August 1, Bubba, Patrick Reed, and Ricky Fowler all need captain's picks to get on this team? I, am I, I haven't thought it fully through. A, because all this stuff fluctuates so much, this could be completely changed by next week. B, I think that kind of helps. That, that, that prevents Love from making a true like homer pick. I mean, those guys... I'd rather go to war with those guys than anyone any further down the list. Like Cooch, uh, or who did you who did you say? Bubba, Reed, and Fowler. Yeah. yeah, I'd rather them go than Coocher, Piercy, Haas, William McGut, uh, <laughs> Kevin Chapel, Duffner. <coughs> um, yeah, I, I don't see. I don't see anyone else in there that that I'd rather have over those guys. So I, yeah, I almost but, think it works out better. Here, here's the problem is that if you – so I think some, one thing that people don't know is that uh, Love's last pick comes – After the Tour Championship. After the Tour Championship. And it, it, the, the problem is if you have those three guys as captain's picks and then you have like a situation in which Love feels like he needs to pick a veteran guy – and again, we don't agree with this, but a veteran guy like Furyk or Kucher or Snedeker – then it sort of like forces your hand to not pick maybe like a Justin Thomas who say makes a run in the FedEx cup and ends up like 15th, you know? And so like, I don't know. I, I just feel like you, you want freedom to, uh, to, to, or I guess you do, but I, I feel like you want freedom to, to make the choices that you want to make. Um, I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting. It will. Um, going to be a lot of discussion on it. Uh, By the I way, people, people think that Ricky Fowler is really not going to be on the team. Uh, he's on the freaking task force. <laughs> he's Ricky Fowler is like he can miss a cut at the next four tournaments. He'll be on the team. Uh, what a what a disappointing season from him though, especially yeah. the way it started. I mean, it looked he won in Abu Dhabi, was it? And uh, yeah, <clears throat> and then should have won in Phoenix, and it looked like it yeah. was going to be a takeover. And uh, I'm just saying, this is why we don't do big four stuff. This is why we don't do a big five. This is why we don't do any of that crap. All right, like what about the big one. The big oh god, <laughs> I a, uh, I don't know I don't know if we should say the journalist's name. We should give him uh, the benefit of the doubt. But <clears throat> somebody wrote today or yesterday that 
what Jason Day has done is the best the best showing he's the, the best player best showing since Tiger. And I was like, hmm. Can I can I can I get on my soapbox for a second? You want this one? Go for it. So I wrote today, I wrote about fifteen hundred words in like twelve minutes about how ludicrous this era is in terms of the way that we perceive major championships. And my argument um, is is an argument kind of on piggybacking on what you guys have talked about a lot on here, which is the Tiger tax. So in the mid-90s, Tiger came along, uh, the money in golf started increasing a ton. Um, and and when, when you increase the amount people are paid in any industry, that increases the competitiveness in that industry. Well, for golf, what happens because it's because it takes a lifetime to become good at it, you don't realize the consequences of that for fifteen or twenty years. So we're just now entering the era uh, in which players who, whose parents uh, raised them to be golfers growing up because it was a lucrative business. Because it, it, you know, if you look at what Jimmy Walker won on Sunday, he won one point eight million dollars. Even even taking in inflation, that's seven times as much. As what Dave Stockton won in, I think it was 19, the 1971 PGA Championship is the example that I use. That's a big deal. And because of that, the competitive pool in golf has gotten so much deeper and so much better. And so for somebody like Rory McIlroy to win five majors, that's that's freaking ridiculous. That's historically great. And people act like, oh, well, he should have like 10. And it's like, well, okay, well, first of all, he's 27. And second of all, he's got four. That's He's probably the greatest European golfer of all time, and people just write it off and start handing out majors to other people. We need to chill out about uh, presuming that guys are going to win majors and look at what guys have already done. And we also need to give credence to and wait to uh, top fives at majors and top tens at majors, which Jason Day has done. But yeah. let's let's chill out on the you know this guy is the one or the you know whatever, and and start looking at guys who have two or three or four majors and say that's a really 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 good career. Yeah, I mean Jason Day is the best player in the world. I have zero problem saying that. That's factually accurate, and you can't argue against that at this point. But to say that what he's done or his run or what the display he's put on is the best run since Tiger is just so incredibly short-sighted that I just, it, like, Rory won four majors in four years. Like, who, has Phil ever done that? I don't think he has. Tiger obviously has. But who was the last guy to do that before Tiger and Rory? Uh, How many does VJ have? Three? Yeah. So it can't be him. He might have won them close together. Uh, he won the o two o one Masters. No, two thousand Masters. He won. He won the o four PGA. I'm doing this off memory. Um, and ninety something PGA. I don't remember exactly. I think it was like ninety eight or something. But, but he um, hasn't done it. That's the point. Maybe maybe Faldo. That uh, could be a good one. Did he? Yeah, he may have won. That's he won because he won back to back Masters. Yeah. But your your point remains. Like only. There's, I mean, there's legitimately only like ten guys in the history of golf that have won four majors in four years, and we just sort of like write it off as like, oh, well, yeah, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And and it's like, no, this is a, this is a big deal. And uh, I don't know, I don't know. I just the, the Rory, the writing off of Rory is uh, is is pretty humorous to me. Yeah, Faldo won eighty seven Open, eighty nine Masters, ninety Masters, ninety Open. So he did win four in four years. So. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, the, uh, we talked a lot about Rory. This is not the best weekend to follow up on on the, us stomping our feet on Rory, considering what we saw from him. Pretty embarrassing miscut, actually, what happened on 18 on on, on Friday. Um, yeah. 
But, I mean, it... People want to point, you know, I had Jake Nichols on last week talking stats, and I wanted to, to put beat to, I wanted to put to bed the drive for show, putt for dough narrative. <laughs> and Rory <laughs> leads the field in driving, putts 151 out of 156 and misses the cut. Yeah. My mentions were pretty hilarious after that. But, <laughs> like, come on, people, let's be a little more, like, less short-sighted than looking yeah. at two rounds of data. Let's, but, have, some, let's have some nuance. Uh, yeah, the Rory thing is, <clears throat> so the... Uh, the argument against Rory is that, um, and I, I loved uh, Jake Nichols' stat where he showed that Rory's been performing at an elite level more than anybody else in the world, yeah. and and he used strokes gained. Like, what is <clears throat> what is the normal amount of strokes gained on the rest of the field that wins a tournament or places top five or whatever? And I think he said two point two five per round it places top five normally in a tournament, and Rory's been performing at that level. The argument against him is that he hasn't really been in contention in a real tournament on a Sunday in a while. And so, so there's a difference between, and we joke about the, we joke about the backdoor top 10, but it's a real thing. If if you're trying to kind of decipher what, what Rory's year has been like. So that's the only argument against him. And and people are like, what's wrong with Rory? What's wrong with Jordan? Nothing's wrong. Like they just, they just haven't won. Like you fundamentally don't understand how you, how to win, you know how golf works if you if you're asking what's wrong with Jordan or what's wrong with Rory because they've been playing fine there's a couple of things here or there Rory needs to tighten up his wedge game Spieth's approach shots haven't been as good as they were last year but we need to just again chill out about some of the stuff that's going on yeah has for any of the top players in the game has this season and I know the season's not over but major season being over has your view changed on any of these top players that's a good question I think uh Dustin Johnson's ceiling has been raised for me. Okay, I'd take that, yeah. That, that's um, an easy one. And, and maybe that was my fault for not realizing how high it was before, but he's actually a pretty good putter. I, I was looking at his, his putting stats throughout his career. He's he's a little bit above average, I think. Um, yeah. And so I think I think Nichols mentioned this. Like, if he puts well in a tournament, it's kind of lights out. Like, just, we'll see it. We'll see it at the next event. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I think his ceiling has been raised to maybe like, hey, he could win three or four majors in his career. Oh, absolutely. And that's why I thought he was going to win this one. Is that it? Just kind of made like breaking down that barrier. Now it's kind of a, a faulty logic to think that that was the only thing holding him back, and that they were just going to start falling one by one after everything we just said about how many good players there are. But right. uh, it really did feel like a, a good setup for him. And man, he he vacated the premises rather early. I was, <laughs> but, um. What about Spieth? Do you think does your impression of his future change at all this year? No, not at all. No, I, I think Spieth is <clears throat> Spieth is Tiger like in the sense that he's he's in it for twenty years. Like I don't really think that about Rory. I think Rory uh, ejects from like truly contending before he's forty. Okay. Um, I don't think Spieth does, and. He's going to have years where he wins one or two majors. He's going to have a lot of years where he doesn't win any. And he just needs to tighten up his iron game. I mean, his his strokes gained uh, with approach shots is down. Everything else is better than last year. His strokes gained putting is better than last year. Do people do people realize that? Like, he's putting better this year than he did last year. I don't think people do. And um, so just tightening up the iron game. Yeah, and that was what Jake said, the hardest thing to repeat from year over year, and he had kind of a, yeah. a career year at, at up, approaching the green last year, and it's probably the most important most important stat. Uh, quickly, I don't have the names of people, that, the questions. I'll do, Kyle has to get off here in about five minutes, but I'll do some questions on my own afterwards, just uh, all by my lonesome. But um, what was your best or most significant moment of the year in, in all the majors? Uh, 
Oh, that's a good question. Um, most significant moment was probably, oh, that's tough. For me, it was either DJ shot into 18 in Oakmont or Spieth shot, second shot into 12 uh, at Augusta. So the, you mean 13? Huh? What, you mean the, the second ball he put in the water? Oh, I thought you were going for like a good moment. Oh God, you're going for the, the haunting moment. Well, you said, you said most significant. That's true. That was, that's true. That's true. That was the what I wrote down was best moment of the year in majors, and I asked most significant. So you said, <laughs> um, I have a hard time disagreeing with that. Yeah, the most. Uh, I yeah, I would say the first the first ball that went in the water for me was the was the one. It was kind of like it was slipping, slipping, and then he did that, and it was like, oh my God, this is really happening. Well, and I, and I probably mentioned this. I, I, I'll never forget uh, standing with with Van Valkenburg, our, our buddy, and he just he, the look on his face after speed at the second one in the water was just like I wish I had a picture of it because it was I've never seen anything like it before. <laughs> How do you describe it? I mean, he just looked like he was uh, he, he just terrified, like he'd just seen like. I, I don't even know. Like, I'm scared to say something politically incorrect right now. But, like, he just looked just aghast that he was even witnessing what was going down. And it, it was it was truly one of the crazier things I've I've ever witnessed. I mean, it was like, it, you know, the next day we played we played golf with Bacon. And I did, I did the exact same thing on this par four. But it was like, you expect me to do that. And, and uh, you just, I don't know. It, it was so crazy. Yeah, I think I I said after the Masters, I said this would have no effect on him. He would probably bounce back and win the U.S. Open for all we knew and finish the season great. That didn't exactly play out that way. Um, I'm actually kind of surprised that more people aren't like pushing that narrative that the Masters ruined him. I don't think that's the case. Maybe people are smarter than that. But um, I expected him to bounce back better than he did. And I don't think he handled things great this year. A um, little bit of adversity. Remind me a little bit of Rory's 2013 season. After making it to world number one, I mean, Rory's 2013 was way worse. Spieth won twice this year. Um, but it, it just kind of the expectations rose a lot, and he didn't handle it great. Said some questionable things. So I wouldn't say my, my expectation for his future ch- changed, but it's like a, this is closer to what we can expect than what we saw in 2015. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I, I think so. And, and Rory actually predicted this back in December, and he got – I think he got a lot of crap for it, but he said it's going to be hard for Spieth to win a major in 20, 2016. You know, mm-hmm. he, he said it's just so hard to, to repeat what you've done and, and with the expectations and everything. It's just, I, I don't know. I, I'm not I'm not concerned about Spieth. I think that he's still um, growing up a little bit and just figuring out how to manage being the most famous American golfer in the world, you know, in, in out there right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, other than than Phil and Tiger, the most famous young American golfer, I yeah. guess I should say. Um, you get that's something that you have to figure out how to manage, how to handle, how to how to deal with everything, and he'll figure it out. He'll be fine. Yep. Uh, super quick, so I know you got to run. Um, are you going to watch the Olympics? Are you what's what's your what's your Olympic uh, excitement level right now? Well, we're actually live blogging the Olympics at CBSSports.com. Oh, wow. Yeah. Deal. So I was talking to my editor last week and. Um, I said, man, we're almost done with our big events for the year. And he said, well, we're actually live blogging the Olympics. And I said, well, we might as well just live blog the Travelers Championship as well if we're going to do the Olympics. <laughs> I mean, this field is just, it's disgusting. Like, it's, its I, I'm, I'm 
I, I don't know what I'm rooting for, but I, I'm no, I'm not excited at all. <laughs> okay, answer. When is it? If you can't, if you can't tell how excited I am, when is it? I think it's uh, not next weekend, but the next, right? Yeah, not this weekend, weeks. but the next. Yeah, two weeks from yesterday. Yeah, I'm going to be in Iceland, yeah. so I won't be watching. So please That's, live blog it for me. Yeah. Uh, Bubba's going to have his high top red, white, and blue shoes on. I'm going to give you the password to the Twitter account. And anything <laughs> controversial that you want to say, just say it on there, okay? <laughs> uh, I know you got to run. Kyle, thank you for squeezing us in. Um, thanks for helping us recap the Masters. Another great major year. Good major year, I'd say. Um, we'll probably have to do this again around Ryder Cup. Um, yeah, if you if, if you are somehow able to make it to Ryder Cup, could we do like a, like a live pod? Oh, yeah. Let's do that. Let's do exactly how, how- that. How much fun would that be? I, if I do go, I'm not going to tell anyone, and I'm just going to show up. Uh, I'll, I'll tell one person, and I want somebody to play entrance music to whatever bar you guys are hanging out in, and I want to enter that way. So you and Patrick Reed have the same plan for the right. <laughs> just coming in on a bald eagle. That's it. Uh, that's good. Okay, Sully, I appreciate you having me on, and we will uh, we'll definitely do it again, Ryder Cup. All right, buddy. Take care, man. Okay. Later. All right, guys, sorry we had to cut that a bit short with Kyle. He had a radio bit he had to get to. Uh, 45 minutes is never enough with Kyle. Uh, I sent out a request on Twitter um, for some questions, and you guys came through with a a plethora of questions. There's no possible way I can get to all these, but uh, rather than avoid them at all, I figured I will at least answer them. I know that's not nearly as entertaining as two people talking about them, but um, if you want to unsubscribe, well, don't unsubscribe, but if you want to exit, eject from the podcast, no judgment here. Uh, I'm going to get through these as fast as I can. Uh, at No Class Friday, Dylan Friday from U.S. Golf TV asks, bigger surprise, four first-time major winners or zero majors for Day, Spieth, McElroy? Um, I'm going to say zero majors for Day, Spieth, McElroy. Uh, considering the pedestal we put them on at the beginning of the season, calling them the big three, which, you know, again, that's a whole other thing I don't really want to get into. It's ridiculous. Um I'm, I am surprised there's no repeat winners just because we haven't had a dominant player in majors other than Rory winning four um, in the last, you know, since since Tiger basically exited in 2008. I would not expect, I would just expect that, uh, you know, we, they've been pretty evenly distributed over the last eight years that a guy would be bound to repeat. Um, and yeah, I, I would have thought it would have been Day, Spieth, or, Mac- or McElroy to, to at least add one to it. So it's kind of, the answer kind of goes hand in hand there. Uh, yeah, very, I'm surprised at both of those. I don't think we're going to get back-to-back years where we have uh, all first-time major winners. But I also thought DJ was going to win this, win the PGA Championship. Uh, Parker Houston at Houston No Prop One thoughts on all four Olympians having to rely on captains' picks to play the Ryder Cup. I don't really care. Um, I, they were pretty far down on the list um, to go to be on this Olympic team to begin with. But it kind of goes back to what I was saying with Kyle in the, the point system being kind of silly and that this goes by world ranking and we you know we bumped was it DJ and Spieth off I don't think there was anyone else if I'm missing but so th- these guys are the basically the third through sixth ranked Americans in the world they're th- what fourth through sixth ranked Americans third through fifth in the world um, and they are not qualified based on points. So they've earned enough world ranking points, which again, the points can kind of, kind of be a little bit sticky. They, they, they hold for a while. If you get into the top 10, it's, you don't usually drop out of the top 10 very quickly, but, uh, I, I just don't get how we can have this system where we rank these players and these are the top, 
you know, four of the top 15 players in the world as the time of the, the day they were selected for the team, yet they haven't earned enough points this year to make a Ryder Cup team. Um, I don't know. The whole, the whole qualification thing is still a bit flawed. I think it's better this year than it was the last time around. Um, I do like the horse rule they implemented, but I don't know. The, the whole Olympic thing is, uh, and again, I'm not, I'm not even going to be tuned in. Uh, it's lost so much momentum. I was excited uh, at the beginning. I think it'll still be cool to see those guys at the opening ceremonies, and it'll be cool to see medals awarded, but um, Olympics has clearly just got a big, fat, crying Jordan all over it right now. Um, going to Ken Ryan at Ken Ryan underscore MKE. Do you think Jimmy Walker uses Internet Explorer or Netscape Navigator as his browser? A hundred percent chance he uses AOL for email. Um, I'm going to say that he probably uses Internet Explorer, probably upgraded. I doubt Netscape Navigator has the ability to handle the bandwidth of all the uh, astro- astrology or astrophotography, whatever you call it. Photos that he's probably uploading on there to do tens of people that want to see those. Um, so I'm going to go with Internet Explorer there. Um, along the same lines, let me find the second one. Harry Bosch at Bosch three 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 three. Does Jimmy Walker buy out the lease on his Toyota Camry now? Yes or no? I think he's probably just going to get into a new Camry, wouldn't he? I mean, I would think that you know the 2017. Camry has a lot of new features, and he's going to trade in the 2014 for it. Um, maybe get a sunroof on it. I, I don't know. I don't know how crazy he's feeling. Um, I tried to make the joke. Apparently, I didn't do a lot of research. Hopefully not many people saw this. I tried to make a joke that I feel like Jimmy Walker, um, that he orders wine, like newer bottles of wine, thinking that's better because um, he just seems like that uninteresting of a guy. But apparently he's a big wine nut, so I had to quickly delete that one. Shout out to somebody who quickly reminded me of that. Um, all right, at Horace underscore Bengdahl, uh, a question in general. Has your view of tour golf changed in any way since moving to Europe? Uh, no, I wouldn't say it has. Um, well, I guess in, in one I just I thought it would be bigger in Europe. Um, nowhere, and again, I live in I live in Amsterdam. It's not a big golfing culture here. I think if I lived in the UK, lived in Scotland, it would be a lot different. Um, but you never see golf on TV at a bar or a restaurant or people talking about it at work or even the majors. I mean, you know, back home in the states, even my non-golf fans are, you know, saying, "Wow, did you watch U.S. Open? Did you watch the Masters?" None of that here. I have to explain to people here what the Masters is, what the U.S. Open is. Uh, they know about Yost Lauten. That's pretty much it. Um, so again, maybe I'm not just in the right location for a big, it it was, this whole experience, the purpose of it was not meant for golf. That's for sure. So, uh, hasn't really changed a whole lot of my perception. I think I'm becoming more aware of the fact that I tend to overrate the American players and think that, and I've been way overconfident this season that we're going to dominate Europe this year. I still think we're going to win. I'm a lot less confident. It's going to be a blowout than I thought it would be. Um, so I think, uh, and, and I don't think that's necessarily a reflection of living abroad, but just kind of slowly coming to terms that on a perennial basis, I tend to overrate the American players. Uh, L. Ruben 01, Liz wants to know, why are you so into Brooks Kepka? I just like the way that question was phrased. Not like, why are you a big fan? Why are you so into him? She said, I mean, I'm a big fan as well, but no really knows, no one really knows why you root for him. It's a good question, Liz. Uh, I think it is a myriad of things. I was really not a fan of the new structure of the tour system of players having to go through Q school just to get on the web.com tour and no longer being having the opportunity um, 
to get go directly to the PGA Tour and the fact that he was not getting sponsors exemptions like I would hope that he would have and it's very much rigged to for those guys that uh, it's basically just the Jordan Spieth who and potentially Bryson DeChambeau's that can play the seven sponsors exemptions that they're allowed and get enough FedEx Cup points to earn their card it's so challenging I just thought the system was rigged against him he went to Europe and dominated and basically made his way on the tour through world ranking points um, and I thought this is this is an up and coming young American superstar, and I still think that. And it was just the deck was all stacked against him. With you know he couldn't qualify his points, not counting for a certain measure for the President's Cup because of his non qualifying status, and uh, basically just became a poster boy for a guy that I think that networks and Golf Channel and people should be focused on as a potential superstar in this game. And he just kind of gets brushed by the wayside and. TV network, even I always clamor for him to get shown on TV, and I get messages from people like, dude, people don't care. I'm like, well, there's a reason for that. People don't know who he is yet. Like, if you show him on broadcast, and again, there was a, there was a time period when we were clamoring for Jordan Speed to be shown on TV. He almost won the 2014 uh, Northern Trust Open and didn't have a single shot shown on CBS until the 17th hole. And... Of course, he went on to to become a superstar, and now we can't get enough. Can't we get too much of him on TV? But there was a time when he was in this exact scenario when we were like saying, "Come on, guys, pay attention. This guy is a potential superstar." Um, is kept going to be a multi-major winner? I don't know about all that. I think he definitely can be. I don't think he's quite the speak level of talent, but uh, the guy's got just an absolute boatload of talent. So much potential. It seems to have a great work ethic for it. Has the right amount of attitude. He kind of rubs some people the wrong way, but. Uh, he's kind of just a badass, I think. So I- I'm obviously a huge fan of him. I think we're still going to see a lot of good things to come from him. A pretty amazing performance this week on the bum ankle. It was a lot bigger deal than he was making out of, as I discussed with Kyle. So uh, surprising that he played. Glad that he played. Glad he had this showing. I think he's really going to introduce himself to people come Ryder Cup team. Talk about guys like really coming out of their shell. Patrick Reed, obviously, in 2014 went a little, perhaps a little too nuts at the Ryder Cup. Uh, Kepka's like the opposite of that. He's the most mild mannered guy you can imagine on the course, but you might see a little bit of emotion out of him that could be a little bit surprising because uh, I think he really wants to be on that team and really wants to. To he prides himself on being an athlete rather than a golfer, so I think the I, the fact that he might be playing on a team rather than playing for himself and a part of an atmosphere, you know, where he can get get amped up. I think we might see a different side of him. It's completely unfounded prediction there, but uh, could see it. Um, oh, I butchered this name on the podcast before. I'm sorry again. Amal Yalnik, I'm going to say. Uh, can anyone of the Reed Bubba Fowler group really be called a lock for a Ryder Cup's captain's pick? I say no, is what he said. Uh, I think they're all locks. I don't think there's anything those guys can do between now and then to be excluded from the team. Um, again, that's Reed Bubba Fowler. They get, I don't know. I just have a hard time. There's not like unless there's some uh, multiple players that emerge to really knock down the door in the in the fashion like multiple Billy Horschel type finishes that we saw in 2014. Reed was fantastic at the Presidents Cup and the Ryder Cup. Is the exact kind of bolt that this team needs, the energy that they need. I think that energy thing kind of gets overblown, but for entertainment factor alone, Reed needs to be on that team. I think Reed is the safest of any of those. Um, Bubba is with his length and his ability to make birdies in four ball going to be on the team. Fowler's on as I talked about with Kyle. He's he's on the task force. I don't think there's any way he doesn't make the team. So uh, I think those guys are very safe to be on. 
Again, a lot can happen though. There's still people are acting like just because this was the last double points event that this is where this is where we're at with the team. I mean, the standings can still very much fluctuate on a week to week basis, and I'm not. I'm happy to talk about it. I'm entertained to talk about it. I know it's a fun topic, and a lot of the questions I got are about the Ryder Cup. But again, a lot can change between between now and then. Uh, a few more here, Matt Gallegos underscore eight. Um, if you have to pick now, who are the captains' picks? I think you take those three. As that we just mentioned, and oh man, I have to check it to see who is still sitting out there. The last pick I'm probably giving to oh, man. I don't want to say Furic. I'm not going to. Um, man, that's really tough. <laughs> I feel like no matter what name I say here, the overrea- the reaction to it is going to be out- outrage. I'll just say Duffner. I think that's the safest pick because uh, I don't, can't imagine too many people getting mad at that. If I say Kucher, people are going to flip out. Tron is going to delete this podcast off the network if that's the case. Um, William Stansel, thoughts on moving the PGA to Royal Melbourne in Olympic years? A major in November would cut major list gap. I'm all for a off-season-ish major or moving the PGA during Olympic years to a different time period. Uh, I don't think Royal Melbourne's the answer as much as I love Royal Melbourne. In fact, if I was to rate top five courses on the planet I would want to play, I think Melbourne's on there. I think it is fantastic from a visual perspective on television. 2011 President's Cup, I tune in just to watch Royal Melbourne. I love the way the the fairways just roll into the bunkers there. I think it's the most aesthetically pleasing thing you can do to design of a golf course. Um, time zone difference. I don't think you want to make half of the majors from an American perspective. I don't want half of them to be in uh, different time zones or at middle of the night. Um, people that have regular jobs and schedules to maintain, it's impossible to watch. So, uh, especially Australia, that really puts it in the middle of the night. So. I'm going to say no to moving it far outside of American time zones. If you can find something in South America, Mexico, even Canada, um, I don't oppose it. I think obviously it's got to be, if it's going to be in the off season, it's got to be pretty close to the. It's got to be south if you're if you're going to move it um, into November or play in February or whatnot. But I don't think it's realistic considering how far in advance they book up these PGA Championship uh, locations. I don't I don't have they I'm not sure if they've like, locked in 2020. But again, it's PGA of America that runs this event. I doubt they're going to be the ones that feel like they have the necess- the desire and necessity to grow the game and move it overseas. Um, so I don't think it's realistic. I think it'd be, I'm all for moving a WGC. You want to play a WGC at Royal Melbourne? Absolutely. I mean, I doubt, I'm sure Bridgestone has specific ties to Firestone, but I'm sick of seeing that course year over year. Move it around the world like it was designed to be. I know guys are going to skip it, but um, it's it's called a World Golf Championships for a reason, and they play like one of them overseas a year. It's kind of a joke. So uh, no to that being a PGA. I'm all for that for a WGC. Uh, Tim Allman, how lucky were the PGA in finishing the event on time given the decision not to move tee times around on Saturday? I did give them props earlier for getting it all in on Sunday. I do think that was also complete luck. I know they did a ton of work to the golf course overnight. I don't even know how that works. I don't even know how you have light to get people out there squeegeeing the fairways and, and digging up all the water out of the, out of the bunkers, but it was really impressive they were able to do that. Uh, they absolutely messed up Saturday. Um, I'm have on good authority that CBS had something to do with that. CBS did not want the, the broadcast to be shown in tape delay. 
uh, ended up with egg on their face and that they got absolutely no live golf to show during the entire broadcast. So I um, hate to see that. And I think it's really disappointing um, in that I know the networks have a say over that kind of thing, but it, and I don't know who the final word comes down to, but you got to make sure you get all the golf in on the weekend. Do anything you can to get all the golf in on the weekend. They almost ended up coming back to bite them. If this was, and the funny thing is, if this was, obviously this was moved up a few weeks, if it was any later in the year, they may not have had enough daylight to do it. Even a couple weeks later, it may have been really, really tight to do that. So, um, yeah, they got very lucky with that one. Uh, last question from Will Bardwell. The Webb Simpson memorial question. The player most likely to get a captain's pick that is most undeserving. I'm going to say Jim Furyk. Um, he's come back and played okay this year. Um, he has a horrible Ryder Cup record. Obviously, he's had a stellar career. Um, I think if anyone, he's in the same peer group as Davis Love. Uh, Kevin Van Valkenburg, Van Valkenburg has pointed out before how much those guys uh, look after each other. In previous Ryder Cups, you see, um, I don't have the example in front of me, I think Jay Haas took some 50-year-old of a captain's pick or something back in 2006. I don't know exactly, but there is precedent for guys taking uh, guys they view as peers or guys they've seen play for 20-plus years and know they're good players when they may not be the most appropriate guys to bring into that kind of emotional event. So that's the most likely guy I see getting picked that probably doesn't deserve it. Um, I can see Love's hand being a bit forced if no one really emerges, that he kind of wants to fall back on a guy like Furyk. If Furyk is on the team, put him out for foursomes only, and then the singles event, um, I can live with that. It's not an ideal world situation, but in no circumstance should he go out and four ball. He's got like a record of like two ten and one or something in his career in those in four balls, so don't do it. Um, a lot more good questions. I'm gonna try to I'll try to add a mailbag as well this week because I do appreciate all the questions, all the feedback, most we've ever gotten by far. Appreciate the downloads. Uh, can't believe you guys made it this far over an hour, especially talking on my own for almost twenty minutes. Uh, if you do get the chance, please log into iTunes and leave us a review and a rating. I know several of you have done that in recent weeks. It is very much appreciated. If you've made it this far, you're obviously a somewhat decent fan of the podcast, and uh, your support is very much appreciated. And another reminder, if you haven't been to the Pro Shop in a while, I'm telling you, Neil has got this thing absolutely flowing. There's new gear every single weekend. There's so many options in the Pro Shop now. Even if you're not going to buy anything, just just check it out. I mean, it's, it's a really nice interface, really professionally well done. It, uh, I'm really impressed by it. I'm really excited about it. I love. I wear the gear all the time, not just because it says no laying up all over it. It's comfortable. It's good stuff. Um, I, I, I really enjoy it. I think you guys will too. Um, so just go swing by the pro shop, check it out. Uh, thanks again, guys. Uh, follow Kyle. I mentioned earlier Kyle at, at Kyle Porter CBS. And hopefully check, I'll be off. I will not be dropping a podcast next week. May have a one in two weeks from now. So thanks again, guys. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yes! Yeah! that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect anything.